Dr. Isaac Dial Zero. The Brent Community Healthcare System presents Hospital Insider, the podcast. Your host is Gary Chalk, the retired director of public affairs for the Brandt Community Healthcare System, a newspaper columnist, and former radio broadcaster. The podcast features conversations with members of the medical staff, the caregivers, volunteers, the leadership team, and donors of the Brantford General Hospital and the Willett Hospital in Paris. Listening to Hospital Insider, the podcast, will inform and educate you about hospital care. So please share this podcast with your family and friends and encourage them to subscribe as well. Remember, if it has to do with hospital care in Brantford, Paris, and throughout Brant County, we will talk about it on Hospital Insider, the podcast. Welcome, everybody. This is episode number eight of Hospital Insider, the podcast. I'm Gary Chalk. Our topic today, very timely. It's about uh, pediatrics throughout the Brantford area. And I actually call this the group of seven. And uh, as we continue our discussion, we'll... uh, You'll understand why we are referring to this as the group of seven. I have two experts in the studio today, Dr. Saragan Youth-Langham, who is the Chief of Pediatrics of the Brandt Community Healthcare System. He is also a Director of Regional MAC Care, Grand Erie Six Nations Clinical Education Campus, and an Associate Clinical Professor at McMaster University School of Medicine. And also joining us is an old friend, Dr. Madden Roy, a pediatrician originally at the Brantford General Hospital, went on to join McMaster. He is currently the Deputy Chief of Pediatrics also an associate professor and chief of pediatrics at Niagara Health Services. So based on that brief introduction, now you know that we have two very good experts, but it took a lot of time to get these fellows' timetables to come together that we could all all join. Welcome. It's good to have you in the studio. Dr. Youthalingham, where were you born and raised, and how did you end up in Brantford? Yeah, that's a good question, Gary. Um, Firstly, thanks for having me on the show. Um, It's uh, great to be here with Dr. Roy as well. Um, So for me, um, I was born in England, actually. Um, I come from uh, Sri Lankan heritage, but born in England and moved to Toronto in early grade nine. Um, from there, uh, did most of my education in Toronto and then did my uh, medical training actually in the Caribbean. Um, returned to do further training in the States in Detroit, Michigan, and then um, was fortunate enough to place a residency at McMaster Children's Hospital. Um, did my pediatric training there. Um, and while being in Hamilton is where I met Dr. Roy. And that's that's part of the story we're going to talk about mm-hmm. here. There's quite a relationship between these two gentlemen. Why did you decide you wanted to be a pediatrician versus some other type of a, of a, of a physician? Yeah, I think like, you know, it probably goes back to my upbringing. Like I certainly was raised in uh, a home with a lot of cousins and um, yeah, siblings. So I was always exposed to uh, kids and uh, even growing up in the neighborhood, I was a soccer coach for our kids' team, et cetera. And then when I went into um, medical school, my first rotation was pediatrics once I got into the hospital setting. And I thought the medicine was really interesting uh, from a genetics perspective all the way from a um, you know, congenital perspective, meaning like inherited conditions. Um, and then the, just the dynamics with the families and the kids, uh, I found it really enriching. So... Yeah, it was really, it kind of stuck with me then as what I wanted to do from that moment forward. Good stuff. Dr. Roy, we first met many years ago and before we turned on the microphones, we sort of reflected briefly. I can recall, I don't remember what year it was, but you and your wife and your two young twins, uh, I think they were probably two or three years of age at the time, 
we're in my office and you were deciding to, uh, to uh, come to Brantford and be a, a pediatrician. And, but the same question to you, where were you born and raised? Hey, Gary, thanks so much for having me. And yeah, you have an excellent memory. <laughs> so those were good days. I spent a lovely five years here in Brantford working as a pediatrician. I'm originally from India, did my medical school training in India, then went over to the Middle East where I worked as a family doctor for five years, then came to the UK where I trained in pediatrics, and then came to McMaster here in Canada to do my neonatal fellowship. And as I finished my neonatal fellowship, I heard about this opportunity here in Brantford and checked it out, met you, yeah. met Dr. Bates, yes. Stephen Bates. Yes. And uh, that was it. Fell in love with the place and I still live here. Exactly. Why did you become a pediatrician? Same question. What, why, why, what attracted you to being able to care for and wanting to care for children? Similar to Sarangan, you know, children are fascinating. I, what I like best about them is when they're sick, they're really sick. And the next day they're fully recovered and they're giving you a big hug and a dazzling smile on their face. And what better medicine than that kind of feedback? And it's also challenging, right? Because they can't tell you much of what is going on. Oftentimes they're young, they're either newborns or younger ones who don't talk. And then you have to try and do your medical mystery finding, you know, to figure out what's wrong with them, talk to the parents, you know, see and understand them and then come up with a diagnosis. So there is that challenge aspect to doing a good job in pediatrics. And overall, it's very, very rewarding. You know, what, what better way to influence the future than to look after the young ones? Define what a pediatrician is for us, Sarangan. What, what, what does a pediatrician do? Well, I think like, you know, the, the definition of a pediatrician, I think, is quite personal. I think different pediatricians will give you different explanations. But I think the core of a pediatrician is really being a part of um, involved in that child's care, but on many different levels, not only from a physician perspective where you're just prescribing or diagnosing, but also being in tune um, with a child, reading some of the softer signs of children's behavior, um, developmentally, um, how they're interacting with you, and then also being involved with the parent and the family dynamic. Um, I think that's a huge part of pediatrics as well. Is a pediatric patient considered, what, from birth to 18, or what's the age range? Yeah, like, I would say the boundaries fit between 0 to 18. But certainly some of the pediatric conditions, type 1 diabetes, for example, that carries on with them throughout their life. And a pediatrician could easily be involved past 18 because they've been involved with that child's care for such a long period of time. But the boundaries certainly do fit between 0 to 18. But... I guess what that, that probably ties into the question that you previously asked me. I think the biggest thing that's at the pediatrician's core is that they are the, an advocate for that child, be it for their health, their growth, their developmental um, uh, growth. Um, overall, they're just a, ch uh, a child advocate. And how are patients, and I'm assuming mostly certainly their parents, is it by referral that they get to see a pediatrician or, or how does that dynamic work? Yeah, in the Brantford area, um, in the outpatient setting outside of the hospital, um, to see a pediatrician, you would need a, a referral from the family doctor. Depending on where you go in other parts of Ontario, St. Catharines, uh, closer to the uh, greater Toronto area, oftentimes there's pediatricians that will um, see them 
on a primary care basis. It's depending on the, the region and what the region has to offer. Right. Dr. Madden, I know, or Dr. Roy, I know that you spend a lot of time in the emergency room. Is there sort of a, and I don't want to generalize too much, a core type of conditions that typically you would see in an emergency room, the types of patients, young children? Yeah, so it partly depends on the season. You know, that was winter, my next <laughs> question. But win, winter season now, of course, is the time to see all these little ones. Lots and lots of respiratory infections, mainly different kinds of flu viruses. Uh, thank God we haven't seen any of the new coronavirus yet. Uh, we've had a lot of influenza, a lot of RSV, and that typically takes up most of what kids come to in the ER with during the winter months. Beyond that, we always have our kids who have asthma, who have diabetes, who have injuries, who have a whole host of other diseases, including abdominal pain, constipation. We, we would see all kids who need to be seen for what is considered as an emergency. I guess my only other message would be not to bring kids to the ER unless they were actually sick enough to need to be in the ER, partly because that way they protect themselves. They don't get exposed to other adults or kids with respiratory infections. And it also takes a little bit of the burden off the ER. And uh, many of the kids who are more healthy should probably be seeing either their family physician or their pediatrician if that's the route they go. So how does the, how does the parent know this is the time to, to uh, put, put, put the child in the car, we're off to the, to the hospital emergency department? How does, how does the parent resolve that? Good question. It's obviously very dependent on the family, their circumstances, how far they live. Generally, if the kid is looking well and needing some Tylenol and getting better with it and is able to eat and drink and more or less be himself except for some short periods of being unwell, those would indicate that they're not sick enough to necessarily come to the ER. Obviously, if they're not responding as they normally do, have a very high fever, families have tried the initial steps at home, those haven't worked, or they have a specific disease or concern, those things would bring them to the ER. Dr. Euthalingham, now the chief of pediatrics, has been for about three years locally. As chief, what does a chief of a department do? Oh, Gary. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think there's um, multiple facets that come to that position. Um, I'm sure Dr. Roy, uh, he was previous chief at Brantford General Hospital as well as current chief at Niagara could speak to a lot more that he does. Um, but um, from my perspective, I would say um, at Brantford, being the chief, providing, I would look at the program and say, how am I going to grow this program to, to provide efficient, um, um, up-to-date care for um, the kids in the area? so that they don't have to travel um, far to get uh, standard pediatric care. Um, in that, I would, I would say there's multiple ways of doing that. Not only do we have to take the onus on increasing our knowledge and our capacity in the hospital for pediatrics, but also building a group that can continue that um, in a long-standing way. And that you have done. This is where I go back to the outset, calling this a group of seven. When I was at the hospital, we had three, I believe, pediatricians for many, many years, a significant burden that those people uh, carried. 
but now you've got seven. And as I understand it, they're all sort of late 30s through mid 50s. You've attracted them from all across Canada, correct? Yeah, I, I would say um, the climate of pediatrics has certainly evolved um, over the last while. Um, the population, obviously, we know in Brantford has grown, so therefore the numbers um, of kids are more than before. And we stand on the shoulders of the previous pediatricians that were before us. So we've really learned from what they've brought to Brantford and how they've brought it to a, a level. And we just want to continue that. Um, and the individuals we've been able to recruit um, all have special interests um, that range from child advocacy um, to hematology to chronic complex care, which speaks to the variety of uh, the pediatric uh, medical pathologies that can exist. So that's what we've tried to do, um, and in doing so, they all bring something to the table and um, for a long period of time, and it's a good dynamic, um, and I, th I think it's really going to bode well for the future of Brantford. So these pediatricians, um, obviously, um, as you say, they're, they're, they're strong, highly skilled pediatricians, but then they have a subspecialty as well, which collectively enhances what we're accomplishing here, here locally. But they've come from Newfoundland to sick kids from McMaster. So they bring a lot of experience and a lot of expertise. Exactly. Yeah. They, um, I think it's beneficial to have individuals that come from different academic centers because they, we cross pollinate ideas. They, they've had different experiences that they can bring to the table. And I think it was, um, when we were surveying um, applicants, we thought, you know, from each academic center, what are they bringing to the table and how are they, um, their um, recommendations that come with that. Um, and it's been fruitful, you know, at our, uh, we have monthly meetings where we say, okay, what are the things that we're looking to do to build the program here? And each individual will have their own idea from their previous experiences. Excellent. Dr. Roy, you've been involved in training pediatricians over the years, including our other guest here today. Um, just before we get into sort of the whole relationship of uh, McMaster and other aspects of the outreach that the, the pediatricians locally have, as I understand it, there are three levels of hospital nurseries. Am I correct? And can you explain that a little bit and what the difference is? Yeah, you're right. So if you're talking about newborns, the healthy newborn who just needs a routine exam and routine care would be considered a level one newborn nursery. Level two newborn nursery would be babies who are born a bit early, but not too early, meaning babies usually above 32 weeks of age, uh, sometimes going down to 30 weeks of age, depending on the level within the level, because there are substructures within that. Uh, these babies would be premature, would have some breathing difficulties, some jaundice, some minor medical issues, often needing to be fed through a tube and supported for the first few weeks or even months of life. And then the level three, which is the tertiary care centers like in McMaster or in sick kids, these babies would be the really, really tiny ones, you know, preterm babies born at 24 weeks, nowadays even down to 22 weeks and surviving. And every year, having better and better outcomes for these smaller and smaller ones. So these are babies that need a lot of intensive care, a lot of subspecialties to help help them. They need uh, machines, ventilators, equipment, all of which are best provided in centers where they have the supports and the people to 
have that specialized skill and support the families as well. So what type of child would be transferred from Brantford to Hamilton? So with, with newborns, that's, pre <clears throat> that's pretty straightforward, you know, because Brantford is a level two, any baby born earlier than 32 weeks would automatically come to McMaster, preferably before the baby was born, i.e. the mom would come to McMaster and deliver in McMaster because we know the outcomes are much better if they come uh, with mom, as in before the baby is born rather than after the baby is born. Uh, then there would be many other specialized conditions where they're much sicker, where they need a ventilator or they need a subspecialist like a cardiologist or a hematologist. So there would be a whole wide range of babies older than 32 weeks that also need either the equipment or the subspecialty care that uh, McMaster being, being our regional center can provide. I must say that uh, Sarangan's done an amazing job. You know, we hear so many good things spontaneously in the corridors, and that's the best feedback that you can get. You know, you run into somebody and they say, oh, you know, we had this transfer and they looked after this baby so well, did a complete full resuscitation. Everything was done perfectly. You know, all we had to do is provide the supports here. And that is so nice to hear. Yes. And it's also nice to hear about this relationship that's existing between the departments locally in Brantford and McMaster, but also between the pediatricians. I'm sure that frequently, <clears throat> excuse me, frequently there are times when you pick up the phone, you make a quick call. Exactly. And I think Dr. Roy speaks to that point where um, at Brantford, we, um, we want to be able to provide the care that the child needs in that moment um, from um, how sick they are, to um, what type of technologies that we can provide. However, we also want to remain within our um, designation as a level two. We're not trying to do something that we're not designed to do. Um, and that's where the relationship with McMaster has been so fruitful because not only have most of us trained there, we know what happens in McMaster, but we have such a good working relationship with the subspecialist that we oftentimes liaise with quite early in the course of the baby's illness to say, okay, this is what I'm thinking um, at this point. In, and then McMaster would give us advice at this point in time, this is where you'd look to transfer. And I think, Gary, the what's been super helpful is that every quarterly, um, both McMaster and its regional centers, so Brantford would be one of them, we meet from an intensive care perspective to make sure that our guidelines are the same in both locations so the child's getting the same care in both institutions. So it's almost seamless when they go from Brantford to McMaster. And I think that's what's helped with our care, coordinating care better. So they're not getting different flavors of care in different pockets of the province, or I should say the Lynn. Um, so that's been helpful. And also having um, trained in those centers we practice similarly and uh, we get feedback and things like Good that. for everybody. Yeah, yeah. As part of the expansion now, having seven pediatricians and this, this, this relationship that's bigger than just locally, um, some of the new um, services that are provided locally, there's one, a, a Billa Rubin Clinic, I think I pronounced correctly. What is that? Yeah, so um, jaundice is a fairly common condition that majority of the newborns experience uh, for multiple different reasons. Some can be for bad medical issues, or some can just be that it's a normal baby going through jaundice. Um, to follow those babies, we didn't have a structured approach to that previously. Um, so over the last um, at least four or five years, four years, I would say, we've had an established um, Billy Rubin follow-up clinic, so otherwise known as a jaundice follow-up clinic, 
which happens every single day, 365 days of the year, um, to make sure that these babies are seen um, either 24 hours, 48 hours later, to ensure that jaundice doesn't get too high, that it can, um, in the rare instance, affect the brain and cause uh, significant uh, developmental concerns. So um, when we looked at the data last time, we have about a 10% admission rate from that clinic, um, which speaks to the point that we're capturing a population that needs to be seen. Otherwise, they would have been out in the wilderness and you know, who knows what would have happened at that point. We talked earlier, uh, Dr. Roy talked about, uh, you know, not best to bring an infant or a young child to the emergency department for, for various reasons. But I know that you've now just, um, launched a, a pediatric acute referral service. You call it PARS, working with Dr. Unger and all the, all the doctors in the emergency department at Brantford General. What is PARS? Yeah, exactly. And it's not a, um, like an idea that we spontaneously came up with at uh, Brantford. It was certainly something that existed at McMaster and other uh, hospitals I had worked in previously. But what it is, is a, again, a clinic that functions every single day of the year where a child who's seen in the ER um, but needs to be seen the following day for um, reassessment to ensure that their treatment is um, showing improvement or maybe their treatment is not working and they need to be seen the, the next day. It is a clinic that provides that service where it's run by the pediatrician that's on call, functions from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. We see about 8 to 10 um, kids a day in that clinic, um, and they're followed up from the ER, um, and they get direct access to a pediatrician the subsequent day. So as a parent, I've brought my child into the emergency department. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. The child is quickly seen, determined what needs to be done right away, and instead of the patient and uh, parents being in the emergency room with all the other things that are happening there for seven or eight hours, they can go home, relax in their home, try to catch some sleep, and have an appointment later that afternoon. Is that how it works? Exactly. With the pediatrician in, on the pediatric floor, with the pediatric nurses involved, and more importantly, in a pediatric-friendly area um, outside of the, the ER. I have to say the hospital has been wonderful at um, supporting this initiative. Um, the ER as well has been uh, uh, wonderful at supporting it. And we, off we also offer that service to the community um, from a family physician perspective, such that if they're in the office with a sick child, they can call or book in uh, to that clinic the following day um, for that child to be seen so they can start them on antibiotics and have them seen the next day. Yeah. And best of all, what it also does is it avoids unnecessary admissions and allows for early discharge. So that way you maximize the use of your inpatient beds, which is a tremendous benefit to the hospital. And to the population at large, and we all hear about access to beds and we did a, a podcast previously on that exact issue and anything that contributes to ensuring there are more beds available, getting that right patient to the right bed at the right time can only, only do well. One thing we haven't talked about yet, and I'm not sure is if these are separate or they are part of the same thing. There's MAC care, but then there is also the Grand Erie Six Nations Clinical Education Campus. Yeah, so um, they are sim they are the same thing, uh, Gary. So um, Brantford is a what's known as a distributed medical education site for McMaster um, in terms of training physicians. Um, there's a few um, in the region, Niagara being one of them, um, that um, we have a family medicine residency program um, at the Brantford General Hospital. 
Um, we take uh, core medical students, um, which means that they do all their specialties um, at Branford General Hospital, and we take elective um, pediatric residents from McMaster. So we have a whole heap of learners there, um, and that's um, um, that speaks to Branford as a fruitful site for medical education, meaning not only from the type of medicine that they're going to learn, but the the how sick the people can be sometimes and how you can manage that. And the goal for a distributed medical education site is really to retain physicians in the area um, so that they can have a positive learning experience here and hope to lay roots. And essentially, that's what happened to myself. We spoke at the outset that there's a, a close relationship between Dr. Uthalingham and Dr. Roy. And uh, they, as I understand it, are, are still very close with regards to professional practice but I think it goes back to the years of training, and I'll let you two gentlemen sort of describe that story, how you came in contact with, with each other and how it grew. Yeah, I'm sure Dr. Roy has his version, but <laughs> I know when I, um, when I had um, been accepted to McMaster for my pediatric residency, um, we seek out mentors, and we have the, the luxury of um, having a bunch of qualified pediatricians there, but one that really resonated with me was obviously Dr. Roy. And I think at that time he wasn't um, taking any um, learners at that time that uh, to seek mentorship. But um, I know I bugged him enough that he would <laughs> take me. But I think it's more so because he, he really resonates with me and I, I strive to be half the, half the pediatrician he is. So, um, And that's why I, I, I sought him out. And throughout my medical training, I met up with him maybe every three months to get either... I was down or talk about career planning and and he was one of the reasons I came out here. So what's your side of the story, Madden? Well, Sarangan is being very generous, no <laughs> doubt. You know, I, I have my memories of Sarangan in the level two unit upstairs and I remember sitting down with him one day and I think we went through an ECG and it was pretty obvious to me that he was really sharp, you know, keen, motivated, and the one thing that is great about Sarangan is he's always trying to improve himself. And, you know, those are the students, the, the trainees, that usually resonate well with the mentors. And uh, certainly he's proven that by everything that he's done since then, you know, with his management training, his uh, leadership positions, the fact that he's actually doing things new and different. And one of those things are what we're talking about now, which is reaching out the outreach programs, you know, I, I think that's the future, right? As far as possible, kids should be close to home and care should be provided closest to home, but at the same standard as if they had to travel and come to the best center. And uh, with the way technology is spreading and with the way new things are being done, you know, we, we could perhaps talk about tele-resuscitation, resuscitation for newborns via the OTN, which is the uh, video component of the, uh, of the um, patient care that we can now provide. So uh, Sarangan has done some marvelous things. You know, we have a chronic complex team that now comes to Brantford from McMaster, works with Brantford pediatricians to provide care to these most vulnerable, fragile, technology-dependent kids. And it's an amazing partnership to have. And we need such partners in all our communities. And, and we need more Sarangans in all our communities. What uh, is interesting is the two of you talk of each other of glowing terms. And I can only express my, my comments. Uh, having met with uh, 
Dr. Roy, so, so many years ago, and I don't want to make you sound old, but um, the great memories, the comments we still hear from friends and people throughout the community about your service when you were here, they still think very fondly of you. you and Sir Angan, same thing with you. We've only met a few months ago, and I can all, already almost uh, experience myself and observe just your your tenacity and your innovative approach to a pediatrics. So congratulations to both of you. One last question before we get to our round of this and that as we complete the uh, podcast. Listeners who, they could be grandparents concerned about the health of their child or, or parents. How do they access one of the pediatricians in this group of seven? That's a good question, Gary. And I think it's something that we're continuously working on. I think if we break that down into um, the outpatient setting versus the hospital, probably answer your question a little bit better. In the hospital, um, there is a pediatrician there 24-7 all the time. So to access um, one of those pediatricians, if it would be through um, if the ER requested our um, support, we're there um, at any point in time or through any one of those clinics that happen in the hospital. What we're trying to build in the hospital is access to pediatrics on a more um, efficient basis, especially in the evenings from 5 p.m. to midnight. So we have an initiative that we're pushing forward called Pediatric Quick Care, which is still in its inception. We still have to work out some of the, uh, the kinks and what the model is going to look like. But our goal is to, um, for, for any parent that brought their child through the ER and was seen by an ER physician, that um, that they get quicker access and um, more frequent access to a pediatrician that's working in the hospital during that time. And that way the management can be carried out by a pediatrician in the pediatric area, in a pediatric friendly area with our pediatric nurses. So that's the, the access in the hospital. In the community, it's a bit tricky because there's um, at this present time, four community pediatricians quite busy given the, the workload. Um, but um, we are trying to build more um, access by um, opening more spaces in our clinic. But also I think we're trying to grow the outpatient pediatric uh, pediatricians in the community. So um, again, through the distributed medical education site and with some of our members that exist in the group of seven, um, we've talked about, um, you know, hopefully building practices in the community. That takes a little bit longer, certainly. Um, but certainly in the works. It's, it's a good news story. It, it really is. And lots of, lots of opportunity and, uh, and chances for improvement going into the future. Yeah, I think the future is bright, especially for pediatrics, not just here in Brantford, but for us in McMaster, for our entire Lynn here, and even beyond. Excellent. We'll have to have you back sometime and talk about the future of where you see pediatrics going. And I'm sure these two gentlemen have their hands tied to that future. But as we come to the conclusion of this podcast, we always play around of this and that. Gentlemen have agreed. They don't know the questions and they're <laughs> smiling here, but I think they're probably reaching for their coat and going to dash for the door. First question, Tim Hortons or Starbucks? Well, considering it's the only thing that feeds me, it's got to be Tim Hortons. So. <laughs> Madden? We've matched nicely. Yeah, yeah, also, uh, see, these two fellows, these fellows are, are attached. Okay, um, Madden, would you call yourself high-tech or low-tech? I would like to call myself high-tech, but the reality is others would call me low-tech. <laughs> so when uh, you buy a new smart television, your wife isn't going to turn to you to have it hooked up? No chance. <laughs> Sergan, how about you? Would you I, I got to think you're, you're high-tech. 
I'm getting there. I think that it's a result of the company I keep. They specifically my wife. She's uh, super high tech. So if I'm not up to snuff, then yeah, you're in trouble. Exactly. If you go on vacation, where where do you like to head, or do you get to go on vacation in this busy profession? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I given that half of my family is in England, um, I oftentimes like to go there and see uh, um, my family there. So, Doctor Roy, you have a trip coming up. Yeah, leaving for India in ten days from now. But that's not on on with family. That's that's more of a professional trip, correct? Partly. Partly. So the first half is uh, professional, as in we are teaching a patient safety course, and the second half is vacation when my wife will be joining us and we'll kind of meet up with some friends and family and tour parts of the country that we haven't seen yet. So That's we're good. away for two weeks. Perfect. So when you're at home and you're finally relaxing away from the hospital, Sarangan, are you going to be watching TV, binge watching on Netflix, or are you going to go out to a theater to see a show? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, we do say my, my wife is really interested in theater. So we oftentimes try and take in a musical or a show. Um, but when I'm at home, I'm a very big soccer fan. So I don't binge watch Netflix. I'll binge watch soccer. <laughs> Any team in particular you follow? Well, I grew up with a, in a family of Manchester United fans. So it's dark days at the moment. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's always the, the future to look yeah, at. Yeah, at least I'm not a Leafs fan, I guess. <laughs> Madden, would you watch Netflix or are you going to be uh, quietly watching, uh, going out to a theater? Well, you know what? Gary, to be honest, I would say it's only the last year, year and a half, that I've actually started watching TV. I, I never found time for it, but uh, more and more I'm making myself say, yes, I need the time. Uh, we have been hooked on a few Netflix shows, but uh, most recently, as in even just day before, we went to uh, Ancaster to watch Knives Out, and that's a good movie. Yeah. Do you like to read? Any favorite authors or books, aside from medical texts? I was going to say, Sarangan introduced me to a nice audio podcast <laughs> called Pete's Rap, which is now what I listen to when I drive up and down all the way to Niagara twice a week. Uh, in terms of books, yeah, a couple of autobiographies here and there. Uh, fiction, mainly crime. You know, I, I tend to like those short, easy reads mm -hmm. rather than something really heavy. So, Sarangan, anything you, you enjoy reading? Um. You know what? This is going to sound awful, Gary, but all my reading is around pediatrics. Uh, but that um, can be good. Late, yeah, no, it, it is good. Um, I haven't really indulged in anything, but what, I think the last book I read was actually Nelson Mandela's autobiography, and that was about a couple years ago. Yeah. I have to ask a question as, uh, as physicians and as specialists who, who have very busy practices, uh, work in emergency department and throughout the hospital, and professorships and other things you're involved in. Are you sleep deprived or how do you, if so, how do you counter that? Adam? I don't know. To be honest, I, I think there are days and weeks when we are sleep deprived. And then there are days and weeks when I make up for it. You know, I make sure I go to bed early, sometimes even as early as 9, 9.30 in the evening and you wake up by 6, 6.30. So you kind of get some catch up time. It's not so much just the sleep. It's also the thinking and the planning and the stresses involved with the work you do, especially when it's administrative, because you're always trying to think ahead and troubleshoot. So yeah, it does keep us fairly busy and uh, occupied. I think the most important thing is to have a supportive family structure. I think that goes a long way in keeping us sane. 
And yeah, I'm really happy. You know, my wife is very, very supportive. I can concentrate fully on the work I do. And she, honestly, she takes care of everything else. You know, the house, the finances, everything else. So that makes my job a lot easier and makes my work, I think, a lot more efficient. So you're telling me you don't do laundry? (laughs) You got it. (laughs) (laughs) Serengan, how about you? Do you find the the, the difficult to turn the job off or, or having to 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 catch up with with family yeah i think like as dr roy pointed out like i I too am blessed with a very supportive wife who's actually in the healthcare field so she has an understanding of what i'm involved in i do say that any initiative or job for example or position that i accept um i do speak to her about it given the fact that it would impact our time together but she's been excellent at supporting me through that um, in terms of turning my mind, I don't know if I, I want to, you know, like um, when I do wake up, I do constantly think about um, my, uh, about the, the brand for pediatric program. I think about our group. I think about my outpatient practice. And I think I like it like that, you know. Um, and then, but we do have a rule at 10 o'clock that we turn our phones off and we leave the phone out, uh, outside the room if we can. Um, and we have some time together. But I don't feel sleep deprived per se, you know. We have a good gym routine that keeps us energized. And yeah, I think it's good. Last question. Serengan, if you weren't a pediatrician or you weren't a physician, what do you think you may be doing? I think if I didn't do pediatrics, I wouldn't be a doctor. It it would be the only type of medicine that I would want to do. If I wasn't a uh, pediatrician, I'd love to be be a soccer player. That'd be the only other thing I I probably could do. (laughs) Um, But uh, And even that, I don't even think I do that well. Dr. Roy, we throw some magic dust and you're no longer a a physician. What would you be doing? It's hard to imagine life as not having been a physician or a pediatrician. Uh, I must say I'm very struck by all the novel new technology around, especially AI. And if I had and could turn things around, I'd probably be looking into doing something innovative in the AI artificial intelligence world. That's the way the world is going. There's yes. so many opportunities. It's so innovative and it's so creative, right? So so if I had to redo things and I could start from the beginning, that's where I would jump in now. That's it. Another episode of Hospital Insider, the podcaster, the guests in the studio today, uh, two, two fine gentlemen, Dr. Saragan Uthalingham, the chief of pediatrics, the Bryant Community Healthcare System. He's the regional director or a director of the regional MacCare Grand Erie Six Nations Clinical Education Campus and also an associate clinical professor at McMaster School of Medicine. And also Dr. Madden Roy, deputy chief of pediatrics at McMaster Children's Hospital, an associate professor at McMaster University School of Medicine, and also chief of pediatrics of, uh, of Niagara Health Services. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. Congratulations on the group of seven. This is great news for our community going forward, and I'm sure that uh, parents are absolutely thrilled to, to know that the resources and the, the growth of the program and services much because of your your initiative. So thank you very kindly. It's been thank great. you, Gary. Thanks for having us. Join me again another two weeks next episode of Hospital Insider, the podcast. I'm Gary Chalk. Please stay well so you can do good. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Hospital Insider, the podcast, a presentation of the Brandt Community Healthcare System. Hospital Insider, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting forum. Please press subscribe and you will always be up to date with Hospital Insider, the podcast.
If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please pass it along to your friends. Encourage them to subscribe as well. It's appreciated. In two weeks, we'll return with a new episode of Hospital Insider, the podcast with Gary Chalk. Thank you for listening. I'm Sandy Bishop.